The Anton Savage Show Sunday. Brought to you by PwC. Combining talent and technology, we're hardwired to find solutions. On News Talk. On the front page of the Business Post, Sinn Féin will win 70 seats. That's Ivan Yates's take on what's going to happen on the next election. And there are a lot of suggestions that the government is on its last legs, including that quote that uh, David Davenpower gave us there in the first hour. One senior party Fine Gael source said, the sense is growing within that if we hang on until September or October, we will be dead men walking. Fianna Fáil will be fine. They are cozying up to Sinn Féin already and nobody wants the Greens. Well, the Greens have gotten together to have their party conference this weekend. It is uh, currently ongoing. From that conference, we're joined by the Minister for Children, Equality, Disability, Integration and Youth, Roderick O'Gorman. Good morning, Minister. Good morning, Anton. I'm I'm glad you want this screen anyway on this morning. (laughs) Well, to that quote, nobody wants you. Um, This government is working well. It's worked well now for over three years. Uh, It's managed the COVID crisis. It's managed the crisis uh, springing from the war in Ukraine. It's uh, delivered a a strong economy where we have major surpluses that we're now able to save and and, and, and reinvest for for future needs, be they demographic needs or or infrastructure and climate needs. And it's advanced some really important policies, policies important to the Greens, I suppose, in terms of transport, in terms of climate and and nature protection. And yet the polls would suggest it has done nothing to you but electoral damage. Well, we're up and down in the polls. I, I, I recognise that. Um, I'm, I've been running in elections now t- since 2004. So I, I kind of I feel I have a reasonably good sense of people's views on the doors at this stage. I'm out canvassing two or three times a week and I'm getting a really good reception. People are saying, you know, you, the Greens are doing what we voted for you to do. You're in there doing the job we sent you to do. We wanted action on climate. We wanted uh, we, we, we wanted the investment in public transport. And, and that's what's being done a, across our ministries. But I think they also recognise we're, we're tackling big issues. We're tackling long term issues. So whether it's, you know, Eamon's work in terms of climate, whether it's the work Catherine's doing in terms of, you know, protecting the integrity of RTE or, or, or what's happening in my own department in terms of managing the, the, the migration crisis and Ireland's response to that. Uh, you know, we're, we're tackling big issues. We're facing them head on and, and we're making progress. But I mean no disrespect in this, but it, again, if all of that is the case, particularly given the backdrop, I mean, if we look this week and we see what happened in Middleton and we have gotten to the point where climate change is now being not, not just discussed, but accepted and taken for granted. Everybody's saying, well, with climate change, we will see more of this. Therefore, what do we do? You have a backdrop that is designed for Green Party political success. And what you are saying is that you are delivering right, left and centre in government. Yet the polls suggest that you are unpopular and the backroom chatter from your coalition partners is that nobody wants you. How did you end up there? Well, we will see when it comes to the general election, when the parties have to put out their manifestos, when they have to indicate what they will do if they're forming part of the next government, people will make their decisions there. Like, you know, we, as you know, did well in, 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 in 2019 and 2020. I'll tell you, in late 2018, there wasn't any great move for, for, for us at that stage. So the, the public move, when it comes towards the election, they make up their mind. Uh, and I'm very 
confident going into the next election that we have a very strong track record to run on, both in terms of those those environmental and climate-based policies, but also the work we're doing far beyond that. I suppose I'd point to the work within my own department in making childcare more affordable to, for, for parents, the work Minister Catherine Martin's done in terms of, you know, supporting the arts. So, you know, one of the key things I, I said when I when I spoke to the Green Convention yesterday, we've never been a single issue party. And it's really important for us to point to the successes, the changes, the investment we've made in key areas, which makes life easier, makes life cheaper uh, for for the public. And we see your party leader saying that uh, he's open to any particular coalition that may, uh, whatever way the numbers may dictate. So that means that you're happy to put Sinn Féin in if if that's what happens at the next election. We've always been very clear after an election, we'll talk to all parties. We did that in 2020 and we look at what parties can we form a a programme for government with, a policy-based programme for government where key Green Party policies can be implemented. That's always been our approach uh, and it'll be our approach after the next general election. But we will only enter a government if we are confident that we have a, 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 a strong position to deliver on Green Party policies. And, and we, we got that, we negotiated that in 2020 and we've implemented that over the last three and a half years. And if you were a betting man, do you think Ivan Yates is right? Will it be a, a Sinn Féin landslide thanks to the younger voter? I think, look, if, you, if, if, if an election was held today uh, on the basis of the polls as they are right now, Sinn Féin, I think, would emerge as the, as the largest party. But I think there's a, a, I, I disagree with whoever your, uh, your backroom FG source was in terms of when the election is going to be. I think the election will be probably around this time next year. Uh, and I think that has, that will give us an opportunity to continue to deliver, to continue to show a track record. Uh, and uh, I don't know what the outcome of that election will be, but I know the Green Party can enter that election on a very strong um, platform of, of, of delivery. But Sinn Féin being the, the largest party is being seen, well, a lot of the analysts would regard it as something of a foregone conclusion anyway, but when you glue Fine Gael and Fianna Fáil together as the centre-right, you may end up with the numbers still allowing for that to be the coalition. Do you think Sinn Féin is going to be large enough that it will be they who lead the next government? I don't know. Uh, look, I, I really think it's, it's, it's too early to, to tell at this stage. But what I would say is, on, on any numbers as they stand right now, uh, no, no one party, and and maybe in a certain case, two two parties could could form a government together. But there will, I think, continue to be a role for the the the, the smaller and medium sized parties like ourselves, like Labour and the Sock Dems. Uh, I, I think all these parties will probably have a role uh, to play in the program for government negotiations that that follow the next general election. On the topic of government negotiations, I do want to talk to you about the relationships within the coalition because a lot of the the uh, coverage today suggests that the legacy of the budget is one of internecine conflict between the various different parties. Before that, though, you're responsible now for uh, a move in respect of maternity leave and maternity leave structuring in respect of uh, ongoing significant health conditions that may have a, a major impact for an awful lot of women. Could you explain to us what it is? Yeah, so this is the, the Leave Our Leave campaign that has been run by the Irish Cancer Society for, for, for the last uh, year or so. And I met with the Irish Cancer Society a number of months ago and they made the point that when women uh, are diagnosed with cancer or, or another serious illness during their maternity leave, uh, they their maternity leave is basically used up 
while they're they're receiving their treatment. So after their treatment ends, they they have to go back to work and they they miss that really crucial time to bond with their their newborn baby. So what I announced in my speech yesterday is that uh, I'm going to work to advance legislation to change the Maternity Protection Act and make sure that where a woman is diagnosed with cancer. Uh, or, or another serious illness during maternity leave, that they'll be able to avail of the remainder of their maternity leave once their treatment ends. So I think it's, uh, you know, there's, there's a couple of hundred women every year who this will, uh, I think, make a, a very significant impact for uh, and allow them, I suppose, just that, that really essential, that precious time with their newborn baby once their treatment is concluded. And I assume, Minister, one of the tricky things about that will be defining what fits the category of serious illness. Do you know how you're going to do that? Yeah, that, that 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 will be important in terms of of, of what's what's included, and and we'll do some work in terms of uh, both in in terms of the the, the drafting office in, in in government buildings and, and and reaching out to the Department of Health and and the HSE. Um, but I think you know these definitions can be achieved, uh, and I think we all understand the importance of uh, maternity leave for new mams uh, and I think it's a, it's, it, this will be a, a valuable protection for them. And it will, it will almost certainly be universally popular but given that it's my job, let me devil's advocate it. Is there any concern in so doing that uh, the maternity leave logic is largely that a period of time that is so significant in a newborn's life that there is access to the mother during that period, particularly for things like breastfeeding and for uh, mother-baby bonding. If the mother has been going through treatment to prevent that happening, does is there any way to put that genie back in the bottle, even if there is scope to give the couple of weeks or couple of months off the back? Well, look, we, as you know, we've, we've had 20, 26 weeks maternity leave at the moment. This government has worked to increase parents' leave. It, it was nine years, nine, sorry, t- two weeks per parent uh, when when I entered office. It's going to be nine weeks now by the by the end of next year. So we all recognise that additional time in that first year is really valuable. Uh, and if some of that existing time, that existing 26 weeks can be given back to MAMS at this stage, even, you know, notwithstanding, we all know the, the, the very difficult nature of, of, of some cancer treatments, notwithstanding that, I still think it's going to be very valuable to th- those MAMS to allow them to, to continue to, to build the bond with, with, their, with their new child. Let's stay with the issue of health and this time the politics of health. I asked that, uh, that issue or, or mentioned that issue of the, the conflict in relation to the budget. We, we saw sort of two levels to it. First, there was the uh, relationship between Bernard Gloucester, the chief executive of the HSE, and government would suggestions that he had annoyed government by uh, some of the comments and some of the um, what he had written in and around the uh, budget. Now there is a suggestion that Stephen Donnelly was thrown under a bus and that he was blamed for there being no money available for anybody else while at the same time not getting enough money to actually run the HSE. Well, as it was just on, on Bernard Gloucester, you know, I know Bernard, he was the chief executive of Tusla. Uh, before he became chief executive of the HSE and Tusla falls within my department's remit. He's a truly exceptional public servant. Uh, uh, we miss him hugely in Tusla, but I really don't see anyone better across Irish public life to head up the, the, the huge task that, uh, that, that is ahead of the HSE. So certainly Bernard has my full support. He has to advocate for... Was he mistreated by your cabinet colleagues in the kind of briefing that went on? I, I don't think so. I, I, I think Bernard understands uh, that 
he needs to advocate for the HSE, but he also works very closely within government. I obviously, within my own department, I've, uh, I continue to have a, a working relationship with him as Minister for Disability and uh, having political responsibility for the disability part of the HSE's budget. So, look, I, I think Bernard will continue to advocate for the strong investments that's needed in, in the Department of Health. Uh, but I think there's a strong working relationship between him uh, and, and Minister Donnelly. And what about the sense that Donnelly was thrown under the bus? Look, you know, a, a budget is, is is a difficult time. We all recognise that this year's budget was on a tighter basis than some of the earlier budgets during COVID. Um, when, when I suppose there but was very even still, I mean, it wasn't like there was, you know, you didn't open the cupboard and find it was bare. There was still a, a fine pile of money by comparison to budgets of old. Yeah, and, and we were able to, to 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 provide significant investment. I suppose I point to my, my own department where we were able to continue investment in disability and also make much more significant advances in terms of cutting the cost of childcare for uh, for parents. Uh, another twenty five percent off that from from September of but, next but can year. But can I put it to you? If you if the, the the Business Post has distilled it down to a, a very simple set of numbers, which are the numbers that Stephen Donnelly is dealing with, two billion the amount that the health minister sought. 800 million, the amount that he was granted. 1.5 billion, the amount of the health overspend this year. So he's getting blamed for getting all the money and he's not even getting enough to cover the existing overspend. And he's also getting support uh, in terms of the Health Resilience Fund, uh, a very significant amount of of non-core funding within the Health Resilience Fund to recognise that there is significant uh, demographic pressures on our health services and also a very significant post-COVID increased levels of uh, of, uh, of presentation across a, a, a wide range of, uh, of, of illnesses. So there is real pressure on the health service. Minister Donnelly has overseen very significant increases in investment in the HSE. I think it was under 20, 20 billion when, when he came into office. It's now, as you say, over over 22 billion. So um, that, that that increased investment is making a real difference for, 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 for many, many patients across the country. But there is real pressures there in terms of demographics and in terms of still, uh, I suppose, coming to terms with the impact of, of COVID across the system over, over that 18-month period. Your remit across is, is broad. We have um, children, uh, equality, disability, uh, youth. In amongst that is integration. Can we look briefly at that in relation to the refugee crisis that we are dealing with? We're now, I think, in and around 97,000 people who are being housed with about 450 in uh, three tented accommodation facilities. I realise much of the influx is out of your control by virtue of what happens in Ukraine. But where do you see that trending over the coming months? Well, we continue to, to to look at the numbers arriving, both in terms of international protection and those arriving from uh, from from Ukraine. Uh, and on both sides, the the numbers are quite significant at the moment. Um, we had, a, I suppose, a dip earlier on in in the year, but probably since the summer and particularly, I suppose, maybe people moving through Europe following the, the, the crossings of the Mediterranean over the summer, we are seeing uh, in, in increases in number right now. Uh, it does put pressure on us, and I've been very 
uh, you know, frank about that. Oh, I'd much prefer if we weren't using a tented accommodation, but it is a necessity in terms of the, the numbers that, that we're dealing with. And particularly in terms of, uh, of, of Ukrainians fleeing the war there, we've been, you know, we've, we've communicated very clearly with the uh, Ukrainian ambassador here that there, there is pressure on our system and where people are, are, are safe and where, where they are right now, we're advising them not necessarily to travel to Ireland because there is pressure on our availability, particularly on the accommodation side. Finally and briefly then, Minister, as a a member of the Irish Cabinet, what was your reaction to the Israeli ambassador's criticism of Michael D. Higgins? Well, look, um, I I, I think it is, you know, the the, the president has a long history in terms of his support for the, 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 the Palestinian cause and, 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 and ensuring that there, there is a, a two state, two state solution to, uh, the, to the, 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 the violence in the, uh, in the, in the Middle East. Um, you know, we, we, we respect the, the president's mandate, uh, as, as, uh, as someone elected twice by the Irish people. Uh, and I, whereas I, I only saw the headlines, I haven't gone through the, uh, through the, the article in, in detail. Uh, I think it is important that that mandate is ex- uh, is also accepted by all our, our, our diplomatic partners. Would you have rather that the diplomat in question decided not to speak? Look, I, I, I think um, I, I absolutely recognise that uh, following the the, the, the the vicious terrorist attacks that, uh, that 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 Israel suffered three weeks ago, I, I can. I can only try and imagine the, the 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 sense of hurt, the sense of anger that all Israelis are feeling, and and, and those who represent their their government abroad are are, are feeling as well. Um, but I think what what President Higgins has stated, and it is similar to the views of the Irish government, is that notwithstanding the vicious terrorist attacks that uh, Israel um, faced three weeks ago. Um, notwithstanding the right of the, the, the Israeli government to defend itself and defend its people, uh, there must be proportionality. And it is hard for us to, to describe the, the attacks on civilian infrastructure and civilians themselves in Gaza right now as a proportionate response. Minister, thank you very much for your time this morning. That is Minister Roderick O'Gorman, who is uh, responsible for children, equality, disability, integration and youth. The Anton Savage Show. Brought to you by PwC. Sunday mornings from 10. On News Talk.